just names. More than blocks of stone set in rows. More than memories. They are our brothers and sisters. Our parents and our children. Friends, loved ones, and even strangers who believe that we were worth fighting for. That we were worth dying for. They stand for justice. For courage. For heroism and fearlessness in the face of danger. They stand for the brave men and women who selflessly answered the call and gave their very lives for the cause of freedom. Let us never take their sacrifice for granted, but instead remember with gratitude those who have served. Today, tomorrow, and every day thereafter. By the grace of God, if we walk upon free soil, if we breathe in the sweetness of liberty, let us give thanks, let us honor the fallen, and let us never forget. If you've served in our <clears throat> our armed forces, if you take a if you stand, please. If you were ever in the military, all right. Thank you. We appreciate your sacrifice. Appreciate your you know willingness to give your life for God and country. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now um, uh, it's always a blessing to, to get up here and preach. Um, I always enjoy it. I don't know about you, but I do like it. Okay? Um, I always, because I don't preach very often, I got, it, I got a little time frame, right? So I begin to pray, God, show me what you want me to preach. You know, I know it's going to be coming around maybe, you know, Doug might ask me. The last time I preached, um, and it's probably more my fault. It has to be, I guess. I don't know, unless God is just testing me or something, but I got my sermon two days before I preached. I got together that Friday, Saturday morning, and then I preached Sunday, and it probably was really bad, <laughs> but I'll tell you, what, I, I prayed, and, I, and my wife would tell you, man, I struggled, and I just, man, I could not just, I don't know what it was. So a long time ago, I've been like, man, Lord, now God's going to ask me to pray, preach probably sometime. What do you want me to preach on? And so I kind of always pray, and, and, and I ask, and, and I look, and then I had someone kind of have a conversation with, and, what, and the conversation they brought up that, uh, man, it wasn't fair, it wasn't fair that uh, Adam, because of Adam's sin, everybody else has to pay for that. How, how is God fair in doing that, you know? And I was like, that's a good question. You know, there's a lot of it. I, mean, I know we all think about that, about God being unfair. So looking at this, I began to, you know, and, and look at things and pray. And then this came, I believe, is kind of like the balance of that. And it's the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. Now, uh, Chad said a great, um, did he, he was in the first service, that, that someone, 
Well, he was in the first. He's not here now. Okay. But he was in the first service. I didn't want to say, oh, Chad's not here. But he came to me and he said uh, that what was told to him, a saying that you're free to make your own choices. You're just not free of the consequences. And so, you know, that the, the law of sowing and reaping is like the balance of that for that free will. Okay? And that's, that's why God, well, established it. Now, can you imagine what it would be like if uh, you could do what you want, whenever you want, and no consequences? You know what that's called? That's called a three-year-old, <laughs> right? And, uh, and they're just, you know, right? And they're just doing what they want to do. That's what, that's what that is. Part of the definition of a psychopath is a person who doesn't believe or think in consequences for their actions. Okay? So, in lieu of having a whole world of psychopaths, God created the law of sowing and reaping. Now, it's got good things and it's got bad things, but it's, it's a law, okay? And um, I, I'm a particular of words, and I guess it's because of being a preacher and, and my gift is teaching. So I chose the word, the law, the law of sowing and reaping. And there's a lot of sermons. My wife was looking up one and helped me out because I, I was like, hey, I, I wanted some ideas. And she um, looked up some sermons and stuff like that. And some of them said the laws of sowing and reaping. But I like the law because to me, it, it's, it's, it's one whole thing. There might be seven principles to it, but it's all together. You can't choose one part of it, you know, and not choose the other. You can't, oh, I like that one, but I'm not, I don't believe in that one. It's not like that. It's, to me, it's the law. It's all together. It all works together. Okay? It's the law of sowing and reaping. And, you know, and another thing is it's not as simple as bad things happen because of sin and good things happen because you're being rewarded. It's, it's not like that. You know, you ever been driving down the road, and you know, you get a bad tire, you know, a flat tire and you go, oh man, Lord, what would I do for that? Well, you didn't, you drove a car is what you did. You really didn't, it's not, God's not really punishing you. Unless maybe you stole those tires, and, and maybe that's why, right? But that's just not how, how it works. And, and that's part of kind of what we get mixed up in. And a lot of people think, well, you know, why is God allowing bad things to happen when um, we're good people? And why is God letting these bad people get away with good things? And I, I remember, I always have said this story, but it's true. But, you know, when I was a young Christian and... And um, to start off my day, I would always reach in, and I was 12 years old, and, uh, you know, to grab the spoon to eat my cereal, and I close my eyes, and I reach in there, and I grab a spoon. If, I, if it was my favorite spoon, I was going to have a good day at school. Hey, the girls would like me or something like that, you know? And I would eat, you know, can't wait to get to school. But if I, but I had pulled out my unfavorite spoon, which the bad thing is there's about 15 spoons. So I only had one in 15 chance. What was really bad is when I, right before I went and you know, opened the drawer and I looked in there and my spoon's dirty and it's in the sink. And I'm like, man, there ain't no way. I'm going to have a bad day no matter what. I have no chance of having a good day. My spoon's dirty. And it's not that simple. It's not that simple that, oh, bad things are always because of sin. 
And good things are always because of righteousness. Okay? The Bible says God lets it rain on the just and the unjust. So that's just the way this sinful world is. <clears throat> now, before, before you click, the Bible is a wonderful book. Is it not? Thank you. It is, it, and there's lots of richness in the Bible. Man, there's God is love. And, and there is uh, things about God's mercy and about um, compassion and all these things. And, but then there's some verses and they're just there. And it's kind of like a kick in the seat of the pants to kind of wake us up. And that's this verse that God gave me for this, which is Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. <clears throat> he says this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, before we get into the seven principles of these truths of, of sowing and reaping, I just want to, there's some things that jump out at me about that right off the bat. The very first thing he says is, do not be deceived. Now, that's a commandment. You know, that's, like I said before, that's like God sticking his finger in your face and say, do not be deceived. Hey, hey, I'm talking to you. Listen up. Do not be deceived. Okay, it's a commandment. Now, God doesn't just throw out commandments to fill up space. Hey, Moses, uh, let's come up with a couple of extra commandments in there so we can finish out that chapter. You know, it's not like that. You know, he throws in so many thou shalt nots. Now, those commandments are given because there's a reason for that commandment. And God wouldn't say, hey, y'all, be not deceived unless we were prone to being deceived about this. We're apt to be mistaken about the law of sowing and reaping and not realize really when it applies and maybe think, oh, that doesn't apply to me or that ain't going to happen. And God says, hey, 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 now, don't be deceived because this is going to happen. The second thing I kind of look at that is that um, it's not society that came up with this idea. It's not society and a bunch of scientists and sociologists and a bunch of otherists gathering around a you know, table and saying, hey, I think, you know what? I think if what people do is going to affect what happens to them, does that sound good to you? Let's put that in a book. And it's not society that came up with that. That's God that came up with this. It's God that set this in motion. So it doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter if, the, if this nation over here says uh, it's okay to kill and steal or, or if, if this nation over here says it's okay to kill unborn children. It doesn't matter what society says. God said, I established this law of sowing and reaping. So he's the one that determines what's what. Not what we say or what we think. Oh, I, I won't reap that. Well, you better ask God. Okay. Now, like the law of gravity. Now, again, in my mind, I had this thing I was going to do and with a tape measure and all that. And God said, don't do all that. <laughs> I said, okay, well, Lord, I'll do this, though. And I said, all right. So, you know, gravity. Gravity, um, 
is everywhere. It's in the smallest atom. Matter of fact, that's how they knew there were pieces of the atom that they haven't discovered yet because the law of gravity that was holding together, they knew there had to be more there that was keeping that atom together. It's just until they got the atom smasher and they found those other parts of the atom. Okay? So it was there, but they knew it was there because they knew that law was consistent. Same thing, they look out there in the stars and they see that and they say, well, that galaxy over there, there must be something, a black hole or something out there because something's pulling on that galaxy. So that law of gravity, you cannot break it, okay? It's, it's unbreakable, it's unchangeable, it's there, it's constant, it never goes away. That airplane might, you know, put on the thrusters and it take off in the air, but it hasn't broken the law of gravity. I'm telling you right now, that law is still pulling on that airplane to come out of the sky. And just let it run out of gas and you'll find out. Okay? So that law never goes away. And the same is true with this right here, this, this law of sowing and reaping. It, it's, God set it in motion and it is there to stay and it will stay. Okay? And it's not going away. So we have to take heed to that. Now, Galatians chapter 6, and seven, we'll, we'll, um, we'll look at these uh, law. If you put that up there one more time for me, the, the verse, Galatians 6, verse 7. All right. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall also reap. Now, so there's seven truths. There's, I believe, seven principles that make up this law. Okay? And they all work. They all work together. You might see some more than others. It's just like and God you know, designed life, you know, plants and stuff and gardens and all that based on, you know, we see this. We see this. We only see it in everything. Okay? So the first one, number one, is every, every, everyone is sowing something. Everybody is sowing something. Okay? There's not a breathing person on this planet that is not sowing something. Okay, you can't get out of it. Oh, but th- that's not, no, it's, it's doing something. I'm telling you, whatever you're doing or I'm doing or whatever you're thinking, I'm thinking, it's doing something. It's sowing something. Okay? There's no way it cannot sow. It does. Everything. That littlest baby, you know, to the oldest person, those actions and what they do are sowing. Now, even in Revelation, you know, God said, you know, there, there's a group over here that are hot. And that means they're hot on fire for God. There's a group over here that's cold and they're really, really cold. And God says, and there's this group over here that's lukewarm. And God said, the lukewarmers, I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be far from, I'm re- because you make me sick being lukewarm. So there, there's really no middle road. We're, we're doing something. I'm sowing something. Okay? The, the question is, is it good or bad? Now, the second thing is, is what you sow, I'm, I'm pretty nifty, what you sow is what will grow. I came up with that on myself. That's right. That's all I'm going to put on a button or like a bumper sticker on my car. Right? What you sow is what will grow. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 again, look what it says. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, 
that will he also, also reap. So the idea to think that, oh, I'm going to go out here and sow my wild oats, and eventually when I come back, there's going to be a nice budding you know, apple tree there. That's not going to happen. That's not how it works. And Paul is telling us, you know, there's lots of us that are deceived to think that, oh, I can do what I want to do and sow these things and I'm not going to reap that kind of crop. And Paul says, no, you're deceived. You know, the bad choices I make just make greater messes of a harvest when they finally come in. And I'll tell you what, I've made a lot of them. I've made a lot of them. Now, the good thing on this other end of that is that, you know what, those good things that you're sowing, those biblical truths that you're trying to sow with your spouse, maybe your spouse, spouse is not where they need to be and you're trying to be that influence in their life and you're trying to sow that seed for the Lord. Paul talks about that in Romans. Maybe it's your children. Maybe your children are far away from God and you're trying to sow that seed in their life. Or maybe they're at home right now and you're trying to give them direction. And you're, t- you're trying to sow that seed. Maybe it's your job. Maybe that, you know, me and uh, Justin, right, we're talking about, man, working in prison, how tough that is. And it just, it just bears down on you. And, uh, and trying to sow the good seed in that place, that's hard. It really is. But God says, you know what? What you sow, don't worry, it'll grow. It will grow. It'll grow up. You just got to be faithful. You just can't give up, can't give in, can't lose hope. What you sow will grow. Yeah, I'm ashamed. Um, I'm ashamed that that I got away from the Lord. Sowed some bad seed. Got mad at God. We came back from Connecticut and jobs didn't work and things didn't work and all these things didn't work. And, and I thought, I got mad at God. You know, I quit tithing. I said, I ain't giving you this money. If you, is, this, is this the kind of God you're going to be? Then I'll keep my own. I'll keep my money. Thanks, Lord. I'll take care of myself. That was a mistake. You know, but what you sow, it will grow. So be careful what you do. All right, <clears throat> you're out there maybe on the in that computer. You know, typing away on something you shouldn't be typing at, watching something you shouldn't be watching, listening to something you shouldn't be listening to, saying something you shouldn't be saying, looking at something. I'll tell you what, that crop's going to come in. It's going to. You can't. With that stuff, you're sowing. It will come to an harvest. Now, thirdly, look at this. And this is, for me, this is one of the hardest things. It takes time for what, you, what is sown to be ready to reap. You know, it does, it takes time. Some things don't take a lot of time. If you get pulled over by a police officer... And he comes up and says, Mr. Fitzgerald, uh, you were speeding. And I say, hey, officer, here's $10 to go buy you some donuts. If you, you know. Now, I'm going to reap that really quick. You know what I'm saying? Probably about five minutes. I'm going to be on the trunk of his car in handcuffs, and I'm going to be reaping that harvest. 
You see what I'm saying? Now, some harvests, they don't, it takes a little bit. It takes a little while for that thing to grow. And God says, hey, you can't be deceived thinking that what you're sowing is not going to come. It's, that thing is going to, it's, it's going to take root somehow. You might look on that field and look, oh, man, I'm doing good. I've been doing this for years. I've been erasing my search engine, you know, and hiding my steps on my computer or my phone. I've been uh, changing those numbers in that book at the, at the job and, and, you know, I've been getting away. Man, I've been doing this for years. Huh? Tell you what, it's going to, it's going to, you're going to harvest is going to come. Might not be this year or next year, but what you're sowing is going to come, it's going to grow. And it's going to be there. You know, in a sense, we think we outsmart God by the things that we do. We think I can do these things and sow this wickedness and sow this sin, and yet I'm going to outsmart God and get out of it. And that's what he said, hey, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. You're not going to mock God to say that you can get away with sin and he's not watching. In Numbers chapter 32, when Moses came around and into the promised land, well, actually Moses didn't get all the way in because he sinned. He had to reap what he sowed. And he didn't make it into the promised land. So when Joshua and them were going in, they, they were coming around the side of uh, the River Jordan. And they, these two kingdoms, they just said, hey, fellas, we just want to kind of bump on through. You're just going to let us and our nation, you know, hey, we don't, we're not going to take nothing. We're not going to do anything. We're not going to take any of your crops. We just want to come on through. And the two kings like, no, nah. they kind of got all puffed chest and stuff. And like, no, dude, that ain't going to happen. And so they came against him. Well, Israel wiped him out. And now they had all this land on the other side of Jordan. It wasn't the promised land. It was on the other side. And a couple of the tribes are looking around and said, hey, man, this looks pretty nice, man. There's some nice trees and grass and some goats. And they said, hey, can we have this side? Is there a, if we have this side? So, uh, so they went to, to the Lord and said, hey, Lord, they, they want to have this side of, of Jordan. And God said, okay, I'll tell you what. They can have that side as long as they come with you and do all that they have to do on the promised land side. And then if they keep their, keep their word and they do what they're supposed to do, everything's done, I'll let them go back over. So this is the agreement they made. They said, in the land, when the land be subdued before the Lord, then afterward you shall return and, and be guiltless before the Lord and before Israel, and this land shall be your possession before the Lord. But if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord. And man, look at this. And be sure your sin will find you out. That phrase has kept me out of a lot of trouble. There have been times that some stupid idea comes to my mind. And God says, be sure your sin will find you out. When my wife wanted to reconcile with me, because we were, we were uh, six months separated and had filed for divorce, <clears throat> and she came and said, I, I want to make things right. And I was like, man, I, I want to be free. I want to find me a younger wife. <laughs> I was stupid, you know. <laughs> and God said, oh, you don't want to forgive her? Be sure your sin will find you out. 
And I tell you, that's a promise. I mean, if you take that to heart, I could help you. Help you. Now, you, you, this story is so fitting, and I, I probably almost use it. I, I don't use it every sermon, but it, it's so good. Way back in the day, back in early 90s, okay? Some of you weren't even born then. I was actually married. I think we had a child or so. And we were sitting there just in our little Baptist church. And this group's up there playing and they're singing and all that. And so I'm really enjoying the spirits moving and stuff, you know. And my wife nudged me and says, hey, you want to give something? And I said, I thought to myself, that's a spiritual thing to do. I think I could, that's a good idea. So I began to kind of talk with God. You know, Bible says, you know, come to the Lord and let's reason together. So I began, hey, Lord, how about five bucks? (laughs) Back in 90, man, that was a lot of money. And, And not that I heard a voice from God, you know, Give, give them. No, it wasn't like that. But I got it $20. Give $20. I was like, man, $20, that's a lot of money. I got to get gas. I got to get a Dr. Pepper when I leave from here. I tell you what, Laura, how about we'll do, it's like a price is right. I'll do 15. I'll give you 15, Lord. And so I leaned on my wife and I said, because that's a lot. That's still a lot. I was, I was first thought five because that was going to break me as it was. I leaned over and said, hey, write a $15 check, baby. She said, you sure? I was like, yeah. I was like, man, see, Lord, even she thought $15 was a lot. So I thought it was pretty good. So the band's done playing all that stuff. We're walking around, and then they got these cassettes there, you know, these with their CDs that are songs. I was like, well, you know what? I only gave 15 <laughs> I still got $5 to spare. I tell you what, Lord, I'll go ahead and get one of these suckers, you know. So I told my wife, hey, baby, why don't you go ahead and grab yourself a CD? And she says, man, we don't have money for a CD. I said, what do you mean? She said, after that $50 check I wrote, I said, $50? Was Sorry about that, Lord. $50. Are you kidding me? You wrote a $50 check? She said, you said, give him a $50. Oh, man. Lord, ah. About seven days, that harvest came in. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that harvest cleared the bank about seven days. <sighs> but, you know, that, but that's, hey, I'm telling you, be sure your sin will find you out. It has a way. I've, I've told that to my kids. I said, man, I don't know how it happens, y'all, kids. My kids there. But uh, sin has a way, man, of somehow, something, um, God letting us find out. You can't run from it. It's like a bloodhound. That sucker is going to stay on you and stay on you, and you think you give it the slip. And like I say, you kind of covered your tracks and tell all your friends, and give it, okay, we got our story straight, we got our story straight, but you got what we're doing, we got what we got, what we're doing. Yeah, nope. It's going to find you. Okay, so it takes time for what is sown to be ready to harvest, to reap it. <clears throat> now, the good part of that is, is you know what, is that the Lord sees how you are obeying him. You know, the Lord sees how you're doing, trying to do right and do what you know he wants you to do. And God sees your efforts and he sees your struggles and he sees, man, you're trying to do what's right. And God says, hey. 
I see that. Your harvest will come. Trust me. You might not see it now. You might not even see it maybe in a, in a year or so, but I'm telling you that harvest, you keep it. Be faithful, my child. Be faithful. That harvest will come. Trust me. He's a God of his word. Later on in that chapter of Galatians chapter 6, Paul tells him, he says, let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, that means in the, at the right time, at the due time, at the right due date, we shall reap if we faint not. So we just got to be faithful. You got to stay in there. And you got to do what you know you're supposed to do. And God will bless. That, that harvest will come. Now, the fourth thing is, is you know what? That you, and, and this is a truth, and people say, well, I know this and that. But I'm telling you, this is uh, number four is you, you reap your own harvest. You reap your own harvest. Okay? You can't put it off on somebody else. You think, well, I'll just do this and that, and it'll be someone else's mess. No, 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 no. It's, it's going to be you out there swinging that Aggie, as we call it in the prison, right? Swinging that Aggie, cutting down that harvest that you don't really want. A bunch of... Uh, Poison oak, <laughs> you know, oh, grew me some great crop of poison oak. Can't wait, out, get, can't wait to get out there and harvest that. But you'll reap your own harvest. In, in Galatians chapter 6, again, the verse says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. He says, for whatsoever a man, a person, a mankind, whatsoever a man sows, that he, he's going to reap it. You got to reap your own harvest. Now, again, a lot of times we, we deceive ourselves and we, we think, oh, I, you know, this and that and someone to help me. But no, it really comes down to you. Back when we were, when our kids were little and we were in Connecticut, I was the janitor of, a, of our church. And, of course, the church is a big church. And um, it, uh two levels or three, I don't forget what it was, right? Two levels and stuff, big, a thousand people could see. It was a big old church, maybe more than that. And so I had to clean that sucker. So I suckered my kids into helping me. You remember those little things you push around that, you know, they weren't vacuum cleaner, but they little, I had the little brushes and the pickup stuff. I go, hey, kids, look what I got. Look at this cool toy. Look at that. Push it around. It picks up stuff. Hey, you guys, go ahead and run around these Sunday school rooms, man, and just push that little sucker and get all that stuff. Whoever's got the most, I'll get a piece of candy. My kids just run around that church and, you know, just doing that little thing and sweeping up for me. You know, and they didn't know I was back there in the break room, you know, making me drink my Dr. Pepper, eating a snicker, you know, while they're out there cleaning, you know. Yeah, I got them to do that for me. But when it comes to life, you know what? I'm, I'm going to reap my own harvest. It's going to be me. It's going to be me that answers to God. Not my wife or my kids. Not this other person who did me wrong or got me mad or wasn't fair. It's not my job or my boss. It's going to be me that's going to stand before the Lord and give account for what I did. So you reap your own harvest. Fifth, you reap more than what you sow. You reap more than what you sow. <clears throat> you know, the bad seed, the bad choices, they grow into a multitude of even worse messes. Right? That little lie, man, just has a way of just blowing up into this big, huge mess. Right? And that's the way it is. You reap more than what you sow. 
and we're deceived. We think, well, I can just do a little bit of this. I can just dabble a little bit in that. Just do a little bit of drugs, and that's all. I'm just going to do this, nothing else. I'm just going just to take this pill, and I'm not going to do all that other stuff. Right? You're going to reap more than what you sow. A whole big crop is going to come in. Now, in Luke chapter 6, 38, he says this, Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. That's like, it's God saying, I'm going to take that bushel. Well, that, what you gave, that, you, know, you gave to the Lord, you gave in service to God. God said, I'm going to take that bushel, we're going to pour it in, we're going to pack it down. You ever got some of that stuff in your, like your cereal and all that, and you open it up and it's like all the way down the bottom of the box? It's like, what? That's only half a box. Well, believe it or not, it was, it was full. But after the shipping and moving and all that, it settles, it settles. It's down on the bottom. And so God says, well, that's fine. That's fine because we're going to pour some more on top of that. Okay? We're going to pour some more. We're going to shake it down a little bit more. We're going to pour. And matter of fact, that thing's going to be running over by the time we're done. Man, it's just going to be falling off the sides. That's how God's blessings are. God said, man, you know what? Give to the Lord your time, your talent, your tithe. Give to the Lord. And God said, man, I'll take that, and, I'll, and when I give back to you, I'm going to press it down, pack it down, pour some more on top of that, shake it, get it really good in there, and after that, I'm just going to pour it until it's just a mound and say, here you go. So, man, praise God. We always reap more than what we sow. Man, that, you know, that, that, just that faithfulness, that little bitty faithfulness, God will bless. You know, again, words mean, words are significant in the Bible. There's a a reason why God says the things he says the way he says them. And in all the parables of the mustard seed, do you ever remember that? This parable of the mustard seed, which is faith. And all those parables, it's always one grain. He says, if a man take a grain of mustard seed, not, not, you're not throwing out a bunch like that. God said, man, if you just had that one single piece of, of faith and plant it. He talks about how it grows up into this enormous tree bearing fruit. That one little seed, God said, man, if you can just give me some faith and trust me, I can do so much with that. So we always reap more than what we sow. Number six is what you sow spreads beyond your own field. Now, anybody had any deal with gardens and stuff like that knows that, you know, or, or anything, you can you know, plant your rose bush over here, and the next thing you know, you got roses the next year come over there. Like, what happened? Well, you know, God's way of moving that seed, whether it's bees or pollen or whatever, how he does that. Well, that, that's, it, it moves, it travels. And so... What you sow spreads to other fields. You might think, well, th- this is just, well, I'm just going to read this, but Joe, you know what? The, that, that stuff that you're sowing is going to grow up in your, the field of your kids, in the field of your spouse, in the field of your coworkers, in the field of your church members, and all those people that you have contact with that, that your field is up against, right? There's people around you. And pretty soon, 
You're going to say, man, my wild oats are growing up over there. My kids feel, well, they, I thought that was just mine. No, no. That seed that you sowed is now in their field. Now they've got to deal with that because of what you sowed. Now your spouse has got to deal with because of what you sowed. Now the church has got to deal with what you sowed. You see? That seed, that, that, that what you sow spreads to other, other fields. There's numerous counts about that. David, Cain, Peter, all these people. You know, at the very end when Jesus had left and was about to come, you know, come back and Jesus said, now, hang on, fellows, uh, just be patient. I'll be coming back before you know, the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts. Peter and, and, and uh, the disciples sit around and, and it says there in John, uh, John chapter 12, 21, Peter says, uh, and I'm tired of waiting, I'm going fishing. And six other disciples said, hey, we're going with you. So we're going, hey, we're going fishing, fellas. We're tired of waiting. And that's when Jesus met them on the water when they're out there. And he said, hey, children, did you catch any fish? <laughs> no, Lord, we've been out here all night. Throw it on the other side. In Titus chapter 3, this is not on the, on the list there, but it says, this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to all men. You know, the things that we do and the good seed that we sow, those travel into other people's fields, and that, that, good, that good fruit starts to bud in other people, and it, our kids and our spouse, our family, our church. It makes a difference. So I got to think about that. What I, what I do affects others. And then last, which is kind of my favorite. Sometimes a harvest can be destroyed before it can be reaped. <clears throat> you ever have a crop burn on you? You ever done something really stupid? And God has a way of wiping that crop out. You didn't have to reap that doesn't happen all the time. You can't bank on that because God's not, God's not a robot. He's not a program. He's not something that if I say the right number of prayers and give a right amount of this and do the right amount of that, it'll wipe that away. It's not how it works. He's, he's a personal God. He knows he works on a personal level with you. But sometimes God, God will uh, take that crop. Sometimes it's a crop you don't want to be taken. In 2 John chapter number 1, verse 8, he's, John said this. He said, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we've worked for, but that we, we may be, receive a full reward. Man, there's times that you can serve the Lord and you can, man, you can, and, and you're trying to do what's right and it takes one stupid decision. And man, you lose that. You have to be careful. But on the same hand, you know what's, what's good is um, in Second Chronicles, and it's a it's a long passage. I'm just going to tell you the logist of it. There about Manasseh. Manasseh. He was a king way back in the time of Israel, and, and it says there, like I said, he seduced Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before him. And he was a wicked king, and he did all this stuff. And look at the last part of that verse right there. It says the Lord spoke to him, and he and he wouldn't listen. And so 
What does God do? So God sends him another nation to come by, and they take him captive. And it says that they bound him, and they carry him away in fetters and chains, and off he goes to Babylon. And when a king goes to Babylon like that, he's there to die. That's it. Other, all the other kings they killed, other kings they, they plucked out their eyes, and all I mean, his terrible things, the other kings that they, they took. And you know what? He, that's what he's looking for. But this is what happened. It says, now when he was afflicted, Manasseh was there. He implored the Lord his, his God and humbled himself greatly before the Lord of his fathers. And this is what God did for him. It says there, and he prayed to him and, and he received his entry, entreaty. God did. Heard his supplication. God heard it and brought him back to Jerusalem and he set him back up and he actually served God and lived for the Lord the rest of his days. God burnt that field for him. Now, but it takes humility. And God knows our hearts. The Bible says man looks on the outward appearance. You know, you can look like you're really sorry, but God knows. My kids used to come in, what do you say? I'm sorry. I say, you ain't sorry. I said, I'm sorry. I can tell you don't mean it. You know, Judas said he was sorry, but God knew his heart that, he didn't have the right heart about that. The Apostle Peter, though, he was, the Bible says he, after he denied Christ, he went out and wept bitterly. He was, he was truly sorry, and God saw that and knew that. It was true, it was true. Humbleness, and God forgave him. Burnt that field. So, you know, you know, thank God for his grace, but we, like I say, we can't, we can't live our life thinking, oh, God, I'll just ask God, to be, I'm sorry, tell him I'm sorry, and just, he'll just take care of that. And it doesn't work like that. Now, in conclusion, really, the whole thing comes down to this. It's really why God gave man you know, the free will and the law of sowing and reaping is this right here in Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, as though one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, he says, even so through one man, that man is Jesus Christ. One man's righteous act the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life for all men. So even though what Adam did did affect everybody, Jesus came and fixed that because he died and what, his, what he sowed, that harvest affects the whole world. And so that's how God designed it. Now I'd say we can't, there's no need of fighting against it. It's, you either have to, you know, it, you're going to live by it, whether you believe it or not. It says, are we going to, Produce good fruit for the Lord in our lives, our family, friends, this church, our work. Do something for God. Amen.